I, last night I woke up and I don't even know the scripture, but I know I, I went to a scripture and it said, the scripture was something about when God says he will do something, I, I need to go back and actually look at it, that he will do it. And I just felt in my spirit that God was saying that there's going to be a lot of freedom here today. A lot of freedom here today. God is going to be setting a lot of people free. And you will know why when I begin to talk. Today, God wanted me to talk about self-condemnation. The destruction of self-condemnation. What do you do when God forgives you, but you can't forgive yourself? What do you do when God says he's taking your sin and he's put it as the east is far from the west? He doesn't even remember it. But you cannot forget it. What do you do when you've done something? Or you said something, or you thought something that didn't line up with God's word, and it's been years and years and years. Maybe you are a parent, and you were raising those children, you did the very best you could. That's all you knew to do at that time. But you did it wrong. And now those kids are grown and they are pointing their fingers at you. You didn't do it this, you didn't do that. And you know it's true. They are not lying. What do you do? How do you forgive yourself? Or you are a man here, you wanted to take care of your family. You wanted to earn a living and make sure your children went to the good schools. They had the best clothes. They lived in the best neighborhood. But in doing that, you were not a father. And they are grown now. They don't want anything to do with you. But then you, do, you didn't decide to, to do all of that and abandon your children. And you live with the consequences of your past mistakes and failures. And you condemn yourself and, and you tell yourself, I'm a mistake. Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Hear me and hear me good. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. That's who you are right now. If I put this right here inside this Bible. This is in here. For you to get in there, you have to destroy this. That's why he's saying that you are now inside of Christ. You are now hidden. The Bible says you are hid in Christ, in God. Nothing you've done, the mistakes you've made don't define you. This is what now defines you. For the enemy to get to you. He has to get through Jesus to get to you. For you to destroy that, you have to destroy this. 
And that's what he's telling you in Romans chapter 8 verse 1. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation to you who is in Christ Jesus. Because you no longer walk according to the flesh. You are now in the spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 32 says, if we would examine ourselves, we will not be judged by God. Yet, even though, even then, even if you're judged, if you do something wrong and God convicts you, He says when we are judged by the Lord, we are just being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23 in the message, He says, may God Himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. And I talked about this last week. It is God himself who is making you holy and whole. It's him that's putting you together to make sure you are whole in your spirit, man. That you are whole in your soul and that you are whole in your body. That's the will of God. And so when condemnation comes to you, how do you handle it? When you've lived under the weight of that condemnation for so long, how do you get out from under it? What is condemnation? Condemnation is when something has been deemed unfit for use. When you condemn a house, you're telling everybody, this house, nobody can live in there, nobody can use it, it's no longer viable, it's only good for destruction. And so when you condemn yourself, or you allow the enemy to use you to condemn you, you are inflicting not only injury in your own soul, you are telling God, I'm unfit. I'm completely useless. You cannot use me. I'm only good for destruction. And that is never the will of God for his children. Never. Never. No matter what you've done. Never. Never. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12, it says, And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. Now, I'm not trying to say that you should live in sin. I'm not saying that living in sin for a child of God is what you should do. No. But there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. There's a big difference. When you do something wrong, yeah, you're supposed to feel sorrow for it. When you sin against God, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you're supposed to feel that, that inside your spirit. You're supposed to feel like you're carrying that weight on your shoulders. You're supposed to feel sorrowful. And it should drive you to God to say, God, help me. I don't know why I keep doing this. I love you, Lord. I love you, but I keep saying things to my husband. I don't mean I love my husband, but I say it. And once I say it, the Holy Spirit says, no, you shouldn't be speaking like that. Lord, I'm back again to ask you for forgiveness. Lord, you told me not to look at things that are unholy, but Lord, this phone, when I'm on it, before I know it, I've clicked and clicked. And I'm there again, looking at those things that I know. Displease you. God, forgive me. It drives you, conviction drives you to God. It's godly sorrow 
for you to ask God to forgive you. But once you go and God forgives you, conviction, when God forgives you, you turn your back to that sin and you walk away from it. So godly sorrow, the Bible says, leads to repentance. Second Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10. For godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to what? To salvation. Not to be regretted. You don't go back with condemning yourself. I'm a failure. You know that what you did was wrong. And you've gone to God and God is forgiving you. And you don't have any more regrets. You don't condemn yourself. You move forward. And it makes you a better Christian. It makes you love God more. It makes you want to serve Him more. Because you know how much He loves you. You want to make sure too that you love Him and you do things that are pleasing to Him. That is conviction. There are kinds of guilt because condemnation just makes you live in constant guilt and shame. There is a guilt and shame that is called false guilt. False. It's not true. And we see this in the lives of children whose parents have divorced. Or growing up, maybe you were abused sexually or emotionally and you blame yourself. For some reason, you're carrying the guilt. And you're condemning yourself for what you didn't even do wrong. It's not your fault as a child that your parents got divorced. But for some reason you're carrying that burden that maybe you were not a good child. That's why your parents' marriage failed. Or maybe you were, you, you, you were abused and you start thinking, well, maybe it's what I did that caused the abuse to happen. That is, a, that is from the pit of hell. And if you're here today, it's time for you to take that garment off of you. That's not your burden to carry. And then there's the godly sorrow, like I said, conviction. And we see that in the life of Peter. Peter was the one, oh Lord, me, I will be with you. I love you. The others may fall away, but you can count on me. And when the robber hits the road, he was the one that denied Jesus. And the Bible says that when that cock crowed, the Bible says Jesus turned and Jesus' eye caught his eye. And he wept and he went away and wept bitterly. That's godly sorrow. But you, you see him again at the, at the seaside with the other disciples. On godly sorrow, the Bible says here, the sorrow of the world produces death. We saw that in the life of of, of, of the other, what's his name? Judas. Judas was an apostle, just like Peter. In fact, Peter denied Jesus three times. Judas only just sold him, although he had probably been stealing all the time. But what we saw was that when Judas betrayed Jesus and sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver... The next thing we're seeing, instead of him to fall to Jesus and ask for repentance and ask to be forgiven, where did he go? He went to the temple to the, to the Philistines. That's who he went to repent. That's worldly sorrow. Why go to the world? The world, they want to kill you. Why go to the world to repent? Do they care? And then when those, they didn't have what it takes to forgive him. 
he ended up killing himself. That's what the Bible says, the difference between conviction and condemnation. He condemned himself. I mean, he didn't even think it was any good. He killed himself. Peradventure, if he had gone to Jesus, fell at his feet, he probably would have been forgiven and we would not be talking about him like we do today. So those are the things just for you to know the difference. Yeah, if you sin, please, please. If, if the Holy Spirit, and I pray the Holy Spirit jumps on your back when you sin. So that you can repent and move on with God. And there's the danger too, if you live in sin, you are doing something that you know is wrong and you don't even feel sorrow. That's a different ballgame. Because that's what the Bible calls a seared conscience. Your conscience is like they put an iron on your conscience and it's healed and now you have a scar. You do things that are wrong and you don't even know, you don't even care. You just keep doing it and you call yourself a Christian. You are not even saved. You, you don't know God, period. So let's, put, let's just settle that before I go into self-condemnation. But self-condemnation, what it does... It makes you think that you have to earn your salvation. You, you have to do things. And so you pray. You're not reading your Bible. The devil comes and tells you you're not, you're not reading your Bible. You're praying too much. And then you start reading your Bible. He tells you you're reading your Bible. You need to pray. Uh, you're not doing whatever they're supposed to do in church. And then you go start to try and do that they're doing in church and, and pray more. And he comes and tells you you become schizophrenic. Because it's like nothing you do is good enough. That is self-condemnation. Always thinking you're not good enough. Always thinking you've not done enough. Always thinking you're doing everything wrong. Sin consciousness. You're more conscious of the bad things you're doing, of bad stuff and how bad and terrible you are. You're not looking at what God is doing in your life. And you know how horrible that is? When that's happening, you cannot praise God. You cannot worship God. You don't even think you deserve to receive anything from God. You cannot even feel free. You go around all the time carrying a weight on your shoulder that does not belong to you. And God is saying today, He wants to set you free from self-condemnation. He wants to set you free from self-condemnation. Amen? What does condemnation do to us? I want to take my time before I go to what to do to overcome it. So that you can recognize it when it's beginning to happen to you. Or when it's happened to you, now you know what it is. So that when it comes to what to do, you know how to take care of it. Amen? Condemnation is when you just heap accusations on yourself. I should have done that differently. I should have been more encouraging. Oh, I keep telling what I said. Let me tell you something. Just two weeks ago, I I went to my son, told you again, to ask for for, for forgiveness. When they were growing up, I was working sometimes two jobs. I was in school, and I was pastoring. So most evenings, I, I don't have time. And so these children, when they were in school, they want, not, they want to be in this spot. They want to be in this music thing. They want to do that. I, I couldn't go. I mean, Omaria and Gracie, maybe some things were able to go. But Toju, when it came to him, I guess I just felt, I, I don't want to do I'm tired. 
Because my thing, if you are Nigerian, you know that we're everybody, I guess. Our goal is our children must make all the A's, right? If you come back from school and you have a 98 and it's 100, why did you make 100? Did somebody else in that class make, make do they have two heads? Are the brains in their, in their head bigger than your brain? So our whole focus is on education, education, education. So if your child tells you, I want to play this game, I want to be in this uh, music, whatever, that's not important. So my youngest boy, to be honest with you, I can't remember anything he did in school outside of academics that I went to. And so one day I was talking to one of our pastors here, and he was telling me that one thing that even as an adult man, that still makes him feel hurt and whatever in, 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 in his spirit is because his father never came to any of his school programs, sports, or any of... And the, I mean, it's like the devil just heaped self-condemnation. For some reason, he hit me differently that day, which was probably about two years ago, three years ago now. And I started carrying that thing. I've asked God for forgiveness. I asked told you for forgiveness. It got to the point my, my son is like, Mom, it's okay. I don't even, he doesn't even think about it. You know, he, you know how it is. He's not even, so when I keep telling him I'm sorry, he's like, Mom, stop. But you see how the enemy does? Just, so even two weeks ago, two weeks ago here, two weeks ago, I went to this boy again. And he's like, Mom, don't, don't stop it. Stop it. I've told you it's no big deal. You had other things to do. I don't, I don't even think about that. But you see what self-condemnation does? Things that are, you know, you would think about it. I'm talking about it now. It seems foolish. Maybe another mud. God forgive me. I hope I don't do it again. But you see how the enemy does? What do you do when it's you condemning you? When you're so inward focused that you're, the enemy can't, if he uses my sister here to, to I mean, I, I won't bother too much. But what do you do when it's yourself inflicting harm in your own soul, giving yourself wound in your own soul? You are the one doing it. But it's the enemy using your own voice, inner voice, to condemn you. That is what self-condemnation is. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Finally, believers, what is true, what is honorable and worthy of respect, Whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute, if there's anything of excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, it says think continually on these things. It says center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. Those are the things God wants you to think about. Not condemning yourself, I'm not good enough, I'm a mistake, I'm worthless, God cannot use me, I cannot pray, I cannot ask him for anything because I'm not worthy. And so you want to go ahead carrying a sense of guilt. Romans chapter 14, verse 22. It says, so whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. And then listen to this, it says, blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. Blessed is the one who does not keep condemning himself. So the person who goes around condemning himself, the Bible says he's not blessed. 
Is it the will of God? No. But if you go around just carrying that weight, the Bible says you cannot stay blessed. You cannot stay under the canopy of blessing that the Lord has for you. It just that sense of guilt. Guilty about what you have done. Guilty about what you didn't do. Feeling guilty, I didn't ask for forgiveness. Feeling guilty, I should have been a better parent. Oh, I should have been a better husband. I should have been a better wife. Especially if the, if the marriage ended in divorce. All the things you did wrong. All, you sleep at night, you wake up at night. The Bible says he accuses us day and night. And he uses your own voice. And then the horrible, the, the third thing, and the, this one is really bad because it robs you of intimacy with God. It robs you of intimacy because when you feel condemned, when you feel guilty all the time, you cannot go to God and be intimate with God. You cannot. The Bible says we are the bride of Christ. And the relationship between us and God is the relationship of a bride and a groom, a husband and a wife. In worship, in praise, you enter into his courts. You sing his praise. And then once you start to worship him, you go past the court and you go into the inner room, the Holy of Holies. And there you, you, you bear yourself. As in the relationship between a, a, a husband and a wife. You bear your soul. You show him who you are. You tell him what's in your heart. He tells you what's in his heart. You love on him. He loves on you. You are naked and unashamed. And the Bible says he reveals. When I looked at that word revelation, it means unveiling. That means God actually unveils himself too. becomes naked in front of you too. But you can only do that when you don't feel condemned. You cannot go and love on God and worship Him and, and, and bow before Him and surrender to Him for Him to unveil Himself and plant a seed in you. Because every revelation you get in the place of worship, every seed that is planted in your heart for what God wants for you, for what God is leading you to do, for what God wants you to become, every seed that he implants in your spirit, that seed that he says will bruise the head of Satan, that seed can only come when, we, when you worship yourself, when you abandon yourself, when you surrender in worship to him. You cannot do that if you feel condemned. So you see how it robs us? You see how self-condemnation can rob a believer? It robs you of your intimacy with God. All the revelation, all the unveiling he wants to do to you, for you, cannot be done because there's an armor. There's, there's something that is surrounding you that, that cannot let you go in and reveal yourself to him. And let me say something before I go into how to overcome self-condemnation. If you're somebody here that condemns people, you better, you better stop it. You better stop it. That religious spirit, that I, I'm super spiritual, I'm better than you, I know it all, who are you? You look down your nose, the Pharisees. And the sad you see is those that think they know it all and better than you and more spiritual than you. 
Let me tell you, it's only Jesus that has the right. It's only Jesus that can judge. And I tell you, he's the only one that can throw that stone and he chose not to throw the stone. So who are you to bring... You know what you do when you judge people, when you write people off? You know what you're doing? You're saying that the blood of Jesus cannot clean them. That's what you're saying. You're putting yourself above God. You're saying that whatever they have done, whatever it is, whatever it is, you are saying that whatever they have done, the blood, they are too far gone. The blood of Jesus can clean you. You Pharisee, you religious spirit, the blood of Jesus can clean you, but then, no. So you put yourself in the place of God. Actually, the place of the, the devil. Don't ever do that. There's something I read in, in Second Corinthians. There was this man in church, in church, that slept with his father's wife. Incest. Mm-hmm. Right, brother? And Paul came and said, yeah, what he did was wrong. He said, yes, we have to approach him, we have to confront him. And yes, there's a place for confronting sin. If somebody does something wrong, you confront him, you bring him to let him know what he's done is wrong, and you let God convict them. If they say they don't want to repent, they want to live that way, you, you can let them leave the church, you can, you know, yeah. But if somebody repents, look at what Paul says to do in Second Corinthians, in chapter 2, verses 7 and 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 7 and 8. He says, instead of further rebuke now, he said, you should rather graciously, that word is very important, graciously forgive and comfort and encourage him. He's talking about that brother that slept with his father's wife. He says, to keep him from being overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. He says, therefore I urge you to reinstate him. You hear that? Bring him back to the former estate. Reinstate him in your, in your affections and reaffirm your love for him. Do we Christians do that? Do we do that? When somebody supposedly falls, that's when we want to, I am all that, you know. I know scripture. If God exposes all of us on this thing right here, all of, all of us will live here, including me. Right? What do you think if God puts it right here? Nobody will be sitting down here. When it comes to do your own, you will run. And yet, when a brother, yes, even if it's a sin, and sometimes it's just allegations, sometimes it's just malice, it's gossip, but we take it and just, oh gosh, I remember I was in a church that the pastor had a moral failure. Way back then, right before we started our church, he had a moral failure. He was, I'm telling you, that Sunday, the whole the thing came out on the Saturday. That Sunday, I mean, even the phone calls alone. I remember my husband, and I was, I was so, my spirit was so hurt and so grieved that I was on the floor. I was, you know how you cry from your spirit when, when you're so, because I was thinking of the number of people that this is going to destroy, disrupt. God, please. And I, but people will call you 
And all they want to talk about is, oh, I knew. I just knew. You've been coming to church, you just knew. You know what I mean? It was the believers, it was the Christians that were in church that were doing this. Let's, let's just kill him. I remember when he, was, he had to move, the church moved from his home and, you know, he called a few people. When I went there, I was expecting to see, I mean, this was a big-sized church, over a thousand people. So when the wife reached out to me and I went to help move, to help them move and everything, there were just two people, me, two of us there, two, two, two. And I remember thinking, are you serious? Two. Helping to move this pastor of a thousand plus church. Everybody like cockroaches. After he did all he and he did everything he was supposed to do. And when they were about to reinstate him back, oh, it's because he, his father is so 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 so. In the, in the organization. He, he, he's, two years is not enough. Let him do four more years, whatever, how many more years. He had done everything he was supposed to do. He had repented. But it was the believers that were saying, no, he doesn't deserve. You know? So, the thing is, if Paul is saying here, my volume is, if Paul is saying here that you should graciously forgive, comfort, encourage, and keep him from being overwhelmed because you know what? Excessive sorrow can lead to, to death, just as we saw in, 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 in Judas. So please, don't be somebody who condemns people, please. If there's room for grace for you, there's room for grace for that brother or sister. Amen? Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. It says, Not that I have already attained... Oh, I'm already perfected, but I press on. Nobody's perfect. That's Paul talking, the great apostle Paul. He says, not that I've already attained, or I'm already perfect. He wasn't seeing himself even as perfect. He says, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ also has laid hold of me. He says, behold, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, one Thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. That's what I'm telling you today. Forget those things, the mistakes, the failures that you have already taken to God. Forget them because God has forgotten them. God is not digging them up from the sea. God is not making them come back from the east and from the west. No, he's, forgive, he's forgiving, he's forgotten them. He says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal. I press. Keep pressing to the goal, what God has in store for you. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Now we're going to look at some few things here. How to overcome self-condemnation. This is very important. Please, if you... Not especially those watching. If you're watching online, you're watching in Nigeria and Africa, wherever you are, this is so important that we all take note of this because this is something that plagues every one of us, all of us. And we have to get out of it because like we started this whole series, the whole reason, the Bible says, I wish above all that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. 
And that means that as your soul goes, so will your spirit life and so will your physical health go. So your soul is so important. Your soul, your, your emotions, your will is important to God. Because if your soul is not healthy, your mind is not healthy, your spirit cannot be healthy as well. So that's the reason why we're taking our time to do all these things, all this, this series on fear, on rejection, on all of this stuff, so that we can get it right in our, in our soul, so that our spirit man can be strong. So if you're watching, if you're here, please, take note and, and let this thing sink in. The first thing is remember God is not done with you yet. God is still working on you. You are still a work in progress. If you were perfect, you would not be here. And nobody is perfect, no matter how they try to make you think they are perfect. Nobody, including your pastor, nobody is perfect. The only one that was perfect is Jesus. He's the only one that is and will ever be perfect. And so recognize that, that you are not perfect. And so when you make a mistake, the blood of Jesus is there to cleanse you from all sin and all unrighteousness. If you do something wrong, you have a place to go to. The Bible says if anybody says they have no sin, they are lying and no truth is in them. Do you go ahead to, to sin every day? Please, if you do, like I said, you are not a Christian. If you deliberately sin and you don't even feel guilt about it, you, you are not even in at all. So realize that, that you have, like Paul said, you've not attained, you've not reached there yet. And then give yourself grace, give yourself grace, give yourself grace. Give yourself some grace. You extend grace to everybody, everybody else. They do wrong to you, they come to you and you, you hug them and you, and you accept them back. And you say, no, don't worry, don't worry about it, I forgive you. You do that for everybody else, but do the same thing for yourself, extend grace to yourself. Extend grace to yourself. Extend grace to yourself. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It says, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. You can ne- Let me tell you, if you're trying to, to, to earn the grace of God, or if you're trying to earn the favor of God by what you do, you're just going to go around in cycles and you feel frustrated all your life. Nothing you do can ever be good enough. Because God has already made sure he covered everything. The grace of God covers everything. You do things for God because you love him. You do this for him because you want to make his kingdom to spread all over the world. You do this for God because you know that he did so much for you. You want to let people know. You want them to experience this joy and this love and this peace that you have. You want them to know. So it pushes you to do stuff, but out of love. It's not out of, if I don't do it, God is going to be mad at me. And it's going to, I'm useless if I don't do that. No. It's by grace. It's not by works. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. He says, He made us sufficient. He made you sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. He says, Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Because of the Holy Spirit you have, you are more than enough. That's what he's telling you. You have the Holy Spirit, you are good. You're sufficient. 
Nothing is missing. Nothing is broken. Nothing is deficient. You are sufficient. It says the letter kills. But the spirit, you see that S? It says capital spirit. The spirit of God gives life. If you're going by thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, all of that, it's just going to kill your spirit. It's going to kill you. And then this one is big. <laughs> because I actually practice this. This is the last one. Remove filthy garments. You remove it. You remove it. You actually go to God and you de- raise your hands like this and you say, God, just take it off, take it off, take it off. All those thoughts. All those tormenting thoughts of guilt and shame. Take it off. Take it off. Let me show you a scripture. In Zechariah chapter 3 verses 1 to 4. It says, In a vision the Lord showed me the high priest Joshua standing before the angel of the Lord. And you see that Lord is, is capital letter, right? L-O-R-D or caps. That tells you it's God himself. When you see that, and they say angel before that, they are actually telling you it's before God, Okay? And there beside Joshua stood, and there beside Joshua stood Satan. <laughs> you know what he was ready to do? Listen, ready to bring an accusation against him. So anytime you are before God, guess who is right there? And in Revelation chapter 12 verse 10, we are told again that he's ever, every day and night. He's accusing you. He's the accuser of the brethren. The Bible says God, Jesus has cast him down. From accusing you. So he doesn't even have the right to accuse you. But look at what it says here. In verse uh, verse 2, it says, The angel of the Lord said to Satan, as God himself said to Satan, May the Lord condemn you. Joshua was wearing filthy garments. God didn't say condemn him. It was the one standing next to him that was trying to accuse him that God is saying to be condemned. It says, Condemn you, Satan. May the Lord who loves Jerusalem. Who is Jerusalem? I'm the spiritual Jerusalem, right? May the Lord who loves Jerusalem condemn you. He says, this man is like a stick snatched from the fire. You see what God is saying about you? Even though you are there. I mean, whatever it is that Joshua did, the garments were filthy, period. But he still went before God. He didn't even have a mouth to speak because he knew he was guilty. He didn't say a word. He didn't say nothing. He just stood there. And Satan is saying, yeah, look at him. He's wearing filthy garments. Look at him. He did this. Look at him. He did that. He said that. He was thinking of that. And the Lord turned to Satan and said, the Lord rebuke you. And that's what we are telling Satan today concerning your life. The Lord rebuke you. All those self-condemning thoughts, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. So this is a stick. I've already snatched him out of hell. You can't put him in hell again by those tormenting thoughts. He's already been snatched out of hell. Verse 3. And Joshua was standing there wearing filthy clothes. The angel said to his heavenly attendants, told the, God told all the angels, quick, 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 take away the filthy garments. This man is wearing. Take them off of him. Then he said to Joshua, I have taken away your sin." And we give you new clothes to wear. What are we wearing? The righteousness. The robe of righteousness, right? And so when you get home today, just go before God. You don't even have to speak. Did you hear Joshua say what? Mm-mm. He knew he was wearing filthy rags. So what about those thoughts? Ah, you, didn't, you are not a good wife. You were not a good mother. You didn't raise your children well. 
You didn't go to all their sport games. You didn't say that thing right. You thought of that. That is not. Just go to God and say, take it off. I'm just going to stand before you. I'm not even going to say a word. Take it off. Take off the filthy garments. And I bet you, you will feel the love of God come on you like you've never felt it before. You will actually feel him taking those things off of you. I did it last night. I did it last night. It was so free and I just stood there. I had the music just playing. Some, some worship music with no, with no song, with no uh, thing in it. The soaking music, they call it. And I just stood there with my hands raised. I'm just like, take it off. Take away the filthy clothes. Take away the filthy garments. Take it away. Take it away. It doesn't belong to you. It does not belong to you. Those condemning thoughts are not yours. Those condemning thoughts are not yours because if you have them on and if you allow the enemy to condemn you, you will never, you will never go to your promised land. And that's the whole idea of this, of this series we are doing. Because for you to go, now you've left the wilderness, remember? Remember how we started this, Joshua? Remember who you are? You are leading. You are leading people. You are going. You've survived the wilderness. And you're on your way to the promised land, but the Jericho, the walls of Jericho are there. And that's what we are doing this series. We are taking down those walls. We are saying, oh, rejection, no more. Oh, offense, no more. Fear, no more. Guilt, shame, ah, self-condemnation, no more. Next week, we're going to talk about depression. Nobody talks about depression in church. If half of us here are dealing with it. We're going to deal with the hard subjects. We're going to go where nobody wants to go. We're going to go where nobody wants to go. Because until we know these things, there are scriptures. I mean, the Bible talks about everything. There's nothing the Bible... ah. If it's shameful, he'll put it there. If he will tell you that Rahab was a prostitute... But you will find her in the lineage of Jesus. In fact, when he wants to talk about Bathsheba, <laughs> when he's talking about David, he said, the one who, who married Uriah's wife. Satan is, Satan is the one that makes us... God is not ashamed to let us know that there are people here that he has used who were not all that and a bag of chips. Yes, I said a bag of chips. <laughs> I see, I see Kathy telling Mike, she said a bag of chips. Uh, yeah. We are not all that and a bag of chips. Because if you don't extend grace to yourself, you know, Christianity will become so phony, so fake. How are you, sister? Blessed of God. You didn't sleep last night. You, you, you didn't sleep last night. You're anxious. You're... Yes, ma'am. How are you? You know what? He, on our way to church, I almost killed my husband because he just, but pray for me. That is being real. That is being real. I mean, if we're not real, the world knows. People know your, your, they know. You think everybody, but when you talk, everybody knows that you're being fake. That you're being funny. Be real. Be real. Because that's the way. Remember what the Bible says? By this they will know if you have love. If they see that, oh, that's, is that not the sister they said? Hmm? Is, our pastor is going to the house. Hmm? 
that will do more to that unbeliever than you coming and, and with your sanctimonious religious spirit. Say, hello, the Lord bless you. John chapter 3, verse 16. The Lord loved them. Who is deceiving who? With your filthy thoughts going through your head as you're saying that. Let's be real. Let's be real. Let's be real. Amen? So we're going to do stuff tonight. This morning, not tonight. This morning. I'm going to have us make some declarations. But before I do that, let's stand up. Let's stand up. Let's everybody please stand up. If you're here, you know I talked about the, the three kinds of guilt. If you're here, the second one, conviction, godly sorrow. If you're here, you haven't given your life to the Lord. All these things I'm saying, some of it are like, mm, it doesn't make sense. If it doesn't make sense, it probably means that you don't, you don't know the Lord. But there is hope. If you're here, you've never made a confession. You've never given your life to the Lord. You've never given your heart to Jesus. I'm just going to have everybody close your eyes. Bow your heads. If that's you, or if you've done something that you've been convicted about today, you're saying, you know what, yeah, but yesterday I just did this. I know it's wrong. And I'm feeling heavy in my spirit. I'm being grieved. If that's you, or if you've never given your life to the Lord, just raise your hand up quickly and put it down. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I want you to just repeat after me. If you're watching on TV, if you're watching online, if that is you, I want you to say after me, everybody say after me, Dear Jesus, I ask you today to forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Lord. I accept you as my Savior. And I thank you today that as I confess you and as I accept you, that you are writing my name in the Lamb's book of life. I declare today that I'm a child of God, that my sins are forgiven, and I am righteous, and I am right before you in Jesus' name. And if you are here, you've been dealing with self-condemnation, I'm just going to have you say after me. I am the apple of God's eyes. I am chosen of God. I am his beloved. I am his anointed one. I am forgiven. I am washed in the blood of Jesus. I am redeemed. I am sanctified. I am justified. I am the sheep of his pasture. I am a friend of God. I am the salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am empowered by the Holy Spirit. I am not ashamed. God is doing a great work in me. I am wonderfully and I am fearfully made. Hallelujah. 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 I'm going to pray over every one of us now. I'm going to pray over every one of you. We're going to be breaking off all those chains of self-condemnation. Oh, yes. Father, 
children. Father, I thank you for your grace that covers all of us. I thank you for your mercy that is renewed every morning over us. I thank you for your goodness, oh, that is at work in our lives. I condemn every voice of condemnation. I condemn it in the name of Jesus. Every voice that rises against you, I condemn it now in the name of Jesus. Every condemning thought, every tormenting thought that says you are not good enough, every thought that says you are a failure, every thought that is not of God, I uproot it from your brain now in the name of Jesus. I declare that you are free from self-condemnation today. I break off every chain of self-condemnation from you in the name of Jesus. I arrest, I arrest every condemning thought. I arrest it. I arrest it. I arrest it in the name of Jesus. Father God, I pray your favor. Receive your favor and your blessing for the week. Raise your hands and receive from the Lord. I pray over you this week that the favor of the Lord is your portion. Huh? Oh Lord, you are the giver of good things. Give your children good things this week. You are the one who bestows favor and honor. Bestow favor and honor on your children this week. Oh, Lord, I decree and declare that the favor of God is flowing, flowing right now into every area of their life. Your favor is flowing into their family. Your favor is flowing into their finances. Your favor is flowing into their health. Your favor is flowing into their marriages. Your favor is flowing into their minds. Your favor is flowing into their souls in the name of Jesus. Your favor is flowing into their children, into their husbands and their wives. Lord, your favor surrounds them like a shield. They are blessed going in. They are blessed coming out. In every area of their life, they are blessed. Father, meet all their needs according to your riches in glory. You are blessed, child of God. You are blessed, child of God. You are blessed, child of God. And who God blesses, no one can curse you. Ah, you are blessed in all that you do. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name and the people of God said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Woo!